Two weeks ago, I was sitting in the ancestral lands of the Coast Salish, otherwise known as Seattle-Tacoma Airport. It was 3.30 in the morning. I was waiting for a very early flight. So what do you do at 3.30 in the morning at Seattle-Tacoma Airport? Well, it's clear. You tune in to Pillar's worship service. And that's exactly what I did. I watched Jonathan and the team lead us in worship, and then Anna got up to preach. And she brought us into Amos chapter 5, where we hear the words about righteousness coming down like the waters and justice like a never-failing stream. I thought about that as I was flying back and reflected on it some more. And then last week, we went to the armory for worship. We're part of the warehouse crew. And there was Anna again, doing again Amos 5 for that community, talking about justice rolling down like the waters and righteousness like a never-failing stream. When John asked me to preach for this Thanksgiving Day service, he said that we gather around a psalm. And I thought, what psalm is going to connect well with what Anna did on Amos 5 for all of us? I thought about it and reflected on it and finally came to Psalm 72. Psalm 72, which may feel a little bit odd for having on a Thanksgiving day, but it's actually this marvelous psalm of God turning the world right side up and inviting us in to join him in turning the world right side up. The psalm is a psalm that David actually prays for his son son Solomon. And he's saying to God, God, this is what I hope for for my son. This is the legacy that I want him to leave. And so listen to just a few words of Psalm 72 And listen to the legacy that David wants his son Solomon to have. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted with justice. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. David prays that prayer. He says, this is the legacy I want Solomon to have. That when people think about Solomon, they think, here was a king who turned the world upside down so it could be turned right side up. Here is a king who set things to rights by putting his emphasis on the poor and the needy and the afflicted and the broken, the children of the needy. Solomon never makes it. He has moments in his brain when he does what he's supposed to do, but by the time he's done, his wealth, his power have gotten to him, and he is not remembered at all as the king of Psalm 72. But then again, neither are any other kings. All the kings of Israel fail. None of the kings become the king that respond and live out Psalm 72. So God has to send another. Mary's son. God's son. Jesus becomes the answer to David's prayer. Someone who steps into the world and sets things to rights. Someone who turns the world upside down so finally it gets turned right side up. And as he walks into the world as the true king of Psalm 72, he walks in turning the world upside down. He does not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And on this Thanksgiving day, 
That's something we give deep thanks for. That he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Because we all know that our lives are upside down. And they need to be turned right side up. And here comes Jesus, giving his life away so that we can have our lives turned right side up. Listen to the words of the hymn from the 18th century. Come ye sinners poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus stands ready to save you, full of pity, love, and power. Come ye thirsty, come and welcome. God's free bounty fully glorify. True belief and true repentance. Every grace that brings you nigh. I will rise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms. In the arms of my dear Savior, oh, there are 10,000 charms. We are all poor and needy. We all have lives that are upside down and need to be turned right side up. And we give thanks that Christ brings his riches to us so that our lives are finally set right. Or as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. In a world where so many people struggle with guilt and shame, it weighs them down, crushes them in their life. We give thanks on this Thanksgiving Day that we have a God who stepped into our lives and taken away our guilt and shame through his sacrifice on the cross. We give thanks on this day that we have a God who has stepped into our lives and made us adopted sons and daughters of the great king, loved, welcomed, received, and that nothing will ever take that away from us. It brings us amazing freedom. But that's just not the only thing that Christ does as king. It's not just that he rescues us from our sin and our shame. He is the king of Psalm 72. He is the one who puts the world to rights. He's the one who takes the world and turns it upside down so it can be turned right side up. And as he does that, as he puts things where they're supposed to be, caring for the afflicted, the poor, the broken, the needy, the children of the needy, as he does that, he invites us to participate with him in that. To participate with him, if you will, in the dance of turning the world right side up. And again, what a gift. We live in a world where so many people say, so what's life all about? What should I be doing? Is life really worth living? And God says, let me tell you something. I invite you into this amazing thing where you join the dance of turning the world right side up, where you join in the dance of turning everything upside down so finally everything is turned right side up. There's a wonderful Christmas carol that gets to the heart of this. It goes like this. Tomorrow shall be my dancing day. I would my true love did so chance. To see the legend of my play, to call my true love to the dance. Then when I was born a virgin pure, of her I took fleshly substance. Thus was I knit to man's nature, to call my true love to the dance. In manger laid and wrapped I was, so very poor this was my chance, betwixt an ox and a silly poor ass, to call my true love to the dance. Christ invites us to the dance. To join with him in turning the world upside down so finally it's turned right side up. To join the dance of setting the world to rights. To join the dance. 
It was the story of the early church. The early church joined the dance of setting the world to rights. It joined the dance of turning the world upside down so finally it could be turned right side up. In an empire where you didn't name your children until they were eight days old because in those first days you always had the opportunity to put your child out and have it die. In an empire where people did not care about those newborn infants and put them out to die. The early church danced into those spaces where those children were abandoned and they gathered them in and they raised them as their own. After all, they served a king who said, let the little children come to me. In an empire where there was a law that if a child was born deformed, that you were to put that child to death. The church danced into those spaces and gathered those children together and loved those children. After all, they served a king who said, what you do to the least of these, you do to me. In an empire where women were considered less than, subhuman, this was a community that raised the place of women. After all, they served a king who said, Come, Mary, sit at my feet. What better place for you than to be a disciple, a place that only men are supposed to be? A king who accepted gifts from women so that he could carry out his ministry. A king who, when he's finally raised from the dead, says, so who's going to be the first ones who are going to be testimony, who give testimony to the fact that I've raised, been raised from the dead? And he says, it's going to be women. Women whose testimony is not carried and believed in court. Women who are demeaned. They are going to be the first ones to see me alive. And they're going to testify to the fact that I am raised from the dead. In that culture, the Christian church was often demeaned because of the place that they gave women. But they said, we are going to keep going in that place because we serve a king who lifted up women. In a culture where the wealthy... The top 2% crushed the poor. In that culture, in the Christian church, the wealthy took a towel and wrapped it around their waist and served the poor. After all, they had a king who put a towel around his waist and got on his knees and washed the feet of his disciples. In a culture where you loved your friends and hated your enemies, this was a community where you loved your enemies did good to them. After all, they served a king who from the cross said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. In a community, in an empire, where when plagues hit, people as quickly as they could threw the sick out the door and ran out of the city. There was a community that turned the world upside down so it could be turned right side up by serving the sick, and even risking their very own lives to do so. They did it because they believed that there was a better city yet to come whose ruler and builder was God. And they believed that God was in these moments testing them to see whether or not they would actually follow the true king. Cyprian, a bishop of Carthage, said this during the second great pandemic. How suitable, how necessary it is that this plague and pestilence, which seems horrible and deadly, searches out the justice of each and every one and examines the mind of the human, whether they care well for the sick 
where their relatives dutifully love their kinsmen as they should, where their masters show compassion for their ailing slaves, where their physicians do not desert the afflicted. A new society, a community that is seeking to set the world to rights, that joins in the dance of turning the world upside down in order that it can be turned right side up. As you can imagine, when somebody creates that kind of community, there are people who get really nervous. Many in Rome got very nervous because of the Christian faith and the way that was lived out in turning the world upside down in order to make things right side up. One of them said, you know, those Christians, the only people they can draw in are are infants and children and women and the stupid and the infirm. He was terrified that the model of Roman manhood that the model of the mighty warrior and all of the Roman armies was going to be destroyed if somehow this new idea of turning the world upside down to bring it right side up actually would happen. If more people joined the dance to create a new world. You know, all of this reminds me of a song by singer-songwriter Ken Miedema. The song is love and Some of the words go like this. Do you dream and weep sometimes about the way things could be? Do you dream of another country where there is no more push or shove, where the rich don't hoard and the poor are fed and the only law is love, where a neighbor is a neighbor and there is trust and loyalty? Come dreaming with me, dreaming with me. Admission is free. Jesus invites us into the dance of creating this kind of world. And for those who dream and weep, this is one of the great gifts, one of the things we are thankful for as God's people, that we're invited into this world, into this place, this dance with Jesus of turning the world right side up. It is a place where when we weep, When our dreams don't come true, we find a place of hope and possibility and grace. Jesus invites us into the dance, into this dance of setting the world to rights, this dance of taking the world and turning it upside down so that it can be turned right side up. And he invites us into that dance today, this Thanksgiving day, a day when we remember the very first Thanksgiving, where Native Americans and pilgrims came to gather for that Thanksgiving feast. He invites us in to the dance today in lament. For while we have this idyllic picture of that first Thanksgiving to gather, we know what happened in the years to come. We know the destruction of Native Americans. We know the breaking of treaties. We know the taking of land. And so this is a day for lament because things were turned the wrong way. It's a day for lament. It's a day to learn, to learn more about Native Americans, to learn more about our nation, to learn more about this place called Turtle Island, as Native Americans call the United States, to learn more. Take an opportunity to go to faithword.org which is something run by the Reformed Church in America, and find there their Thanksgiving toolkit 
that helps you think, helps all of us think more deeply about where we are and what the history is. We're invited into the dance today, invited to lament, invited to learn, and finally invited to love. To take what we've lamented, to take what we've learned, and then say, how will this lead us to be a people of love on this Thanksgiving day? Jesus invites us in. He invites us into the dance. The dance of setting the world to rights. The dance of turning everything upside down so finally it's turned right side up. On this Thanksgiving Day, we give thanks. We give thanks that we who are poor and needy have been rescued by Jesus Christ. And we give thanks that he's invited us into the dance.